Hey everybody, on this episode of the Riverdale After Show, we're breaking down Season 4, Episode 5, Chapter 63, Hereditary. Look at this, we've got Jughead solving a mystery, Veronica's jailbird parents hooking back up, and holy cow, Mr. Chipping takes the Stonewall plunge. Basically, it's business as usual. Let's do it. I'm Maria Menunos, and you're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. Uh-oh, uh, it's a Riverdale after show. Look out, gonna jump out a window to hide a secret. Better go get some help. Look at that, that was a little little jam for everybody right there on the Riverdale after show. Everybody, welcome. Breaking down everything that's happening in Riverdale every Wednesday night on the CW. I am Frank Moran, but you know, I'm not just alone. Making me look good, sound even better. We got Ryan in the booth. Ryan in the booth, sporting the Wawa East Coast shirt. Shout out to Wawa on this Riverdale after show. What the heck is Wawa? You don't know. I don't know what Wawa is. You don't know what Wawa is. The only thing I know is Wawa is anytime the adults talk in a, in a <laughs> Charlie Brown cartoon. <laughs> yes, it is that, but it is also the best convenience store on earth. Ooh. It is incredible. It is a place on the East Coast where you can go get gas, you can go get hoagies, you can go get milk, breakfast items, anything, anytime, day or night. Wawa is the place for you, and I highly recommend that the West Coast step up their game and get some. So I assume it's just essentially an East Coast version of a 7-Eleven. Oh, you would think so, Frank, but you're wrong. It's even better? Oh, it's even better, Frank. It's even better. We are open 24-7. I know 7-Eleven is too, but their name doesn't suggest that. So keep, they lose business on that name. <laughs> also, I will say for Wawa, and we'll get to Riverdale really shortly, I will say for Wawa, they have hoagies. 7-Eleven doesn't have hoagies. They make them in front of you just like Subway, but better. There's more heart put into them. Ooh, all right, well, you can't beat a, a sandwich filled with love. Uh, folks, look at that. Just a, you know, just a little tip of the hat to all you East Coasters who maybe, if you want to put this on pause for a second, go grab yourself a, a hoagie over a Wawa, come back, and chow down on it while your listeners break down all the latest shenanigans happening in Riverdale. But first, as always, like us on Facebook. Give us those five stars on iTunes. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. You know, hop in the chat. Share your thoughts about this, anything that's happening in this episode, anything Riverdale in general, anything you want to just get off your chest. Maybe there's, a you know, just something that's been on your mind lately and you just want to get uh, mine and Ryan's advice. You know, we're here to help. That's what we're here for. That's right. So any questions you have... Yeah. We're here to answer. You know, should you ask that girl out? Hey, what kind of car is the best car to have? Hey, should I pay my taxes? Any of those kind of questions, we can give you that sort of advice. That's right. Yeah, Riverdale. there you go. Riverdale advice. <laughs> so, folks, we'll be breaking down this episode. At the end, we'll do just a, a splash of news to round out the episode. Uh, but this episode was, uh, it got some, it, it intrigued and then got bonkers towards the end. So, I, I guess that if you had to describe Riverdale, in a sentence, I think you would tell somebody, like, hey, it's a show that gets crazy uh, and then just goes bonkers at the end. I think that's how you describe it. And so this right here, a, a great, great entry into the Riverdale canon. So starting it off here, if you had to break down all the four core characters, you've got Archie, Jughead, Betty, Veronica, all the various storylines that are kind of percolating, starting to uh, kind of blossom into what we think they're going to be for the rest of the season. I'm going to put my least favorite right now as Archie in the community center. It just seems kind of dull compared to what we've got going on with Veronica, Betty, and Jughead. Uh, you know, I, it, Ryan, I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, yeah, certainly, you can be honest with me, Frank. I'm going to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I certainly, you know, Archie, 
has a you know the he's recovering from the death of his father. He wants to make a difference in the town. But I gotta admit, this storyline of him trying to be like a masked vigilante at night who's you know catching kids and then instead of turning over to the cops he then just goes around the corner takes off his mask and then comes up to them as just simple archie just with like a helping hand uh it's getting a little a little tiresome not to working me. for you huh uh, no it's it's just uh, my i feel like there hasn't been enough forward momentum because we keep hearing about dodger dodger's the mysterious guy that's you're running out of there from the arcade and he's running these kids uh, and making them do all the you know, all the shenanigans that they want, so that if they get arrested, they go to juvie, and then they come back out and they just go work for Dodger because he gives them free pizza and free arcade games. Right there, you go. You know, I mean, I shouldn't say free arcade games. He gives them just uh, arcade tokens, which they in turn then just spend at the arcade. So, for you as a teenager. Mm. It, Whoa! Yeah, uh, not not a teenager anymore, <laughs> but uh, might look like it yes. because of my dashing good looks. Uh, but what, what were you going to ask about my age? Yes. Uh, how how strong? All right, let, let's 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 jump back to your teenage years. Okay, jumping you know, back a few years in an age where, and certainly, I guess we have to suspend belief that Riverdale is kind of a, a time fluid kind of place. You know, it's supposed to be modern day, but it also has. Uh, nods to the past within its you know kind of societal makeup, right? But this is an arcade. Uh, would you be plied with uh, wanting to do something for somebody for free arcade games and pizza? Could I be bribed yes. to do something for someone for arcade games and pizza? Well, I mean it's a great question. I think uh, it depends on what games are in the arcade. You know, I'm a big Miss Pac-Man fan. I'm also Dig Dug. If that's there, I would. I would. You could get me to basically do anything if you can give me enough coins to play around a Dig Dug. Oh, nice. Uh, as well as you know, I'm pretty good at pinball. Some say I'm a wizard, and I would love to do that. So it depends on the games in the arcade. Also, if it's anything themed Star Wars in any sort of way shape or form yeah i'd probably uh they could bribe me to do anything but what are they bribing me to do frank you know basically break into cars uh commit petty larceny things like that crime yeah crime essentially uh i mean if there's burger time did you do burger time burger time i do it for yeah i do it for that there you go. I mean, yeah, Burger Time, it's a fun game. I mean, how can you not just want to make a burger patty? Only that, though. If it yeah. wasn't that type of game, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm turning the other cheek. It's just in a day and age where everybody has video game consoles at home or even handheld stuff. Right. You know, does the lure of video games that are arcade, is that really a strong well, for, lure? Okay, well, first of all, when you say arcade, you're giving me a sense of location where, you know, most of the arcades I went to and my teenage years were at the beach. So I'm thinking, okay, now this scenario, this bribery, if you will, is taking place at a beach that I am at right now. So I'm already kind of soaking up the sun. I'm in a rare mood. I'm feeling jolly. And that I'm already, my guard's sort of halfway down at that point. So that makes it even easier for someone to maybe bribe me in that way. All right. However, if I'm back in Delaware, where I'm from, from, yeah, odds are uh, I'm not going to be around arcade. I will have that Xbox or PS4 at home, and I'll just probably say, nah, I'm good. I'm not going to break into a car for you, <laughs> sir. Also, don't, I'm not going to take your candy either. Oh, look at you. All right. So uh, essentially, Archie's basically fighting a, uh, a seems to be a losing battle. I mean, he's getting a little traction because he's trying to make a difference one kid at a time. He rescues one kid from potentially stealing a car, gets him a job at Pop's Chocolate Shop. Things seem to be turning around, but it's just one person, you know? And he's got so many kids in the town, and Dodger's just looking to capitalize on, uh, uh, on them as much as he can. 
So what does uh, Archie do? Well, he gets a visit from Hiram Lodge, who is now free from prison and wants to stop by the gym just to say, hey, pay his condolences to Archie and his respects uh, for the passing of Fred Andrews, who is a, uh, uh, somebody that Hiram respected. So, you know, very cool. But it would have been nice to have – we saw very few scenes of uh, any time of Hiram and Fred together during the course of the season. We'd see, you know, maybe one a season, but not enough really to kind of see where the two of them stood in, in terms of uh, each other. I mean, they certainly weren't friends, uh, you know, but I guess there was an underlying respect between the two of them. At least maybe Hiram towards Fred. I don't know. I mean, Fred seemed to try to see the best in everybody, or at least he wouldn't let anybody just, you know, walk over him. So, uh, you know – Great to see him pay his respects, but it would have been nice to, if we ever saw more Hiram and Fred scenes. But he also gives Archie, uh, as a way to kind of uh, honor his dad, a blank check to do anything that he wants at the community center because he appreciates what he's doing. And this right now, I think in all four seasons, the first time we really see Archie finally uh, remembering his past and deciding to make a different change in the future, he does not accept it because he knows that there's always something that comes along with it. Even if it's not mentioned in the moment, there's always going to be some sort of string attached, especially to something like a blank check. Uh, and I'm going to ask you, Ryan, if you got a blank check, would you uh, would you swing for the fences and what kind of dollar amount you'd write on a blank check? Or do you feel like you could rein your self-control in here and uh, just like write down exactly only the amount that you needed to get something to get something uh oh man a blank check would be so awesome right now uh, i think man reeling it in i don't know if I'd, if I'd be able to reel it in really i would go pretty high on that blank check uh sadly to say so I, I, yeah i do i do think i also wanted to shout a few people out Ooh, in the chat right now we shout got grayson ryan here each and every week awesome to see you grayson we also got external shockwave yes up the words in the chat Showing some love to you, external uh, shockwave. And Jassy Jones, her birthday is in less than two hours. Or no, I guess, wait. To get two and a half hours away. Happy early birthday to you. Thank you so much for spending the night before your birthday with us on the Riverdale After Show. And Frank, what would you do with a blank check right now? That's what I'm curious about. Well, first I want to thank her because, I mean, usually we're, we're, you, know, you get gifts. And she's truly given the greatest gift of all, Ryan, by totally. hanging out, watching the Riverdale After Show. Well, very, very awesome. Me with the blank check, I got to be honest. You know, I would <laughs> I would like to think that I'd be like really upstanding and go, I'm only going to write the dollar amount that I need to say with somebody like, hey, to cover this month's bills. And I would just put down just the exact amount. But if it was a blank check, I got to admit, I would want to try to get myself a little extra a padding in there. Right. You know, whether it's so I could be a little bit up on the next month's rent or there's something that I know that's coming up that I really want to do or get. That I might that I could use that to to help make that happen. I mean, it's the holiday season, so I'm <laughs> getting right. gifts for everyone. <laughs> I, I I would say the same thing. I wish I would say a low number and just whatever this month, but I want some security. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I I, I feel like if somebody's giving you a blank check, they're expecting you to kind of go big. Maybe I, that is that is me just assuming, so that I feel I don't feel as bad when I write a really big number <laughs> on that check. They want me to write a big number, so I should write a big number. Of course, right. Yeah, nobody gives me a blank check and just says, yeah, just write $100. No. No. No, 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 no. Because we can write in $100. That's easy. Boom. <laughs> no, no, no. You want me to go big. So uh, Archie, though, though, does refuse. Uh, Dodger, though, comes back to the other uh, rec center, though, and says, hey, guess what, Archie? I know you 
are this masked vigilante that's been going around causing me all this sort of trouble. Archie tries to deny it, but Dodger goes, yeah, I know it's you. I got what I need. I'm going to see you later. And so Archie then uh, stupidly goes back to Hiram and says, hey, I need your help. Sometimes, you know, I've tried tried going to the cops. The cops can't do anything unless they actually see uh, Dodger having evidence on him. And if he doesn't have it on him, I can't arrest him. That's what FP says. And Hiram, uh, Hiram and Archie talk, and Archie says to Hiram, you know, there are some things uh, that need to be taken care of uh, a different way than going to the cops. That just sometimes that happens in life. And Hiram's like, I hope you don't think I'm trying to uh, you know, perform a violent act. And he passes. So, uh, but we see, we end the episode, though, with uh, Dodger being found outside the rec center, all beaten up in a, in a rug. Somebody laid a beat down on him. So, whether it's Hiram or somebody else, uh, we'll see what happens now with, uh, with Archie. I mean, it, it, it doesn't seem like he'd be, even if it was Hiram, that Archie would owe anything to him. Tough to say. Uh, Ryan, play this out with me. If you go to somebody that you know is kind of a mob type, mm. you know, mob affiliations, and you say, hey, I need help with, to get rid of this person. I'm thinking Michael Klaus, actually. He's Michael the Klaus. guy yeah, right here. Absolutely right. You go to Michael Klaus and say, Michael, I need help getting rid of somebody. And we all know if you're talking to this particular person, Michael Klaus, right. that it's going to mean some violence is going to be done to whichever person you're looking to get rid oh, of. Oh, without a doubt. And Michael says, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do a violent act and leaves. The next day you find that person that you wanted to get rid of all beaten up. If Michael comes back to you later and says, hey, looks like your problem's taken care of. You owe me. Do you feel you owe him? Because and he said no first. Yes. I think, I think you said no, so I wasn't expecting it from you. Yeah. And maybe I already asked someone else. And if he says he ended up doing it, actually, you know, that's a, that's a take back. And there's no take backs. <laughs> there's, no, there's no take backs. There's no take no backs. Take backs, you, Michael. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> don't you try to do it. Look don't at him. do it. Don't do, don't do it. it. Look at that. He's taking some out. Don't take backs. Come on. So let's see what happens with Archie. Again, out of my four, my four main characters, this is my least favorite storyline. And I feel like I'm going through this, uh, this episode now kind of ranking him from uh, worst to first in terms of my storylines developing so far this season. So I'm putting Archie at the bottom. Uh, my next storyline, though, is, uh, you know, I'm going to put, I'm going to put Veronica. It's close between two and three. Uh, but I'm going to put Veronica there I, just because I don't, I don't know about her, Hiram and Hermione. They basically, now they're both out of prison. Uh, Veronica and Hermione are finally free of Hiram. After everything that happened last season, even though both of them are out of prison, they are now free and clear of Hiram. So Veronica is all about like, hey, I want to keep you and my half-sister Hermosa just out of our lives. You're not going to live here. You're going to do your own thing. But we find that Hiram, who seems like he's flip-flopping all the time, because last episode he said, hey, I want to run for mayor. That was his big thing. He's running for mayor. Now we find out this episode that, no, 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 what he really wants to do is he wants to get back into his first passion, which is rum. He's got a, you know, he's got a rum business down in Miami that his uh, half-daughter, or his daughter, Veronica's half-sister, oversees. And now he wants to do a rum outpost here in Riverdale, have her most hang out for a little bit to get that all started up. I, I've never heard Hiram talk about rum at all, ever. Uh, for something that he's so passionate about, to have him never mention it, once in the uh since he's been on since season two seems kind of weird but all right i guess we'll extend that to you uh hiram that you love rum and you got to get a rum outpost out here in riverdale uh so 
he wants to do that, but he also wants the family to get back together so he can do all this. So he does what Hiram does because he's jacked and he's ripped and he's uh, you know he's been you know he's been hitting the weights while he's been in prison, and he comes back into Hermione at night and says all he says is you know takes off his shirt and uh, they do a little better a bit of floor play and Ryan. I know you're a ladies' man. Right. And, uh... By the way, there's a lot of commentary on this in the chat. Uh, on the storyline? Uh, yes, on the storyline. Also just talking about hitting the floor, the rug, uh, without gloves. Can't believe Hermione let Iram back in. Yes. Iram, sorry. Uh, but, yeah, what were you going to ask about me and the ladies? Well, you and the ladies, because I know, uh, Ryan, uh, world-renowned ladies' man. Mm. You know, he's a Casanova uh, here at AfterBuzz. That's you know, right. Just, uh, ladies love him, men want to be him. Uh... <laughs> Shine the spotlight on me right now. That's right. That's right. Mm. Uh, if you're with somebody, right. uh, is the best way to add spice into your relationship if both of you are ordering hits on each other? Is that the is that a way <laughs> to really keep the relationship going? You know, that's a that's a good way to spice it up for here and there. <laughs> I think uh, if you're really trying to be unexpected, you know, ordering someone else to take a hit on you, yeah. that's really unexpected. And if you can survive it. That's what's really hot. That's that's true. Nothing says I love you than uh, putting out a contract on you. Mm-hmm. And it just shows, you know, you're willing to put the time and effort into getting that contract, signing it, and have someone else carry out the deed for you instead. And you know, you trust your loved one so much that you know they're not going to be able to kill them. Oh, that's true. Yeah, absolutely. It, uh, and you guys are going to, it's all going to work out. You're going to you're gonna dodge the assassination attempt, and uh, then you guys are going to... Be all hot and randy to go when you guys reunite back in the uh, in the uh, uh, the home and just get it on. Oh yes, there's nothing better than self defense. Yes, and then you just get like, mm, uh, protect yes. yourselves. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we see Hiram and Hermione. They get back together and they're going to renew their vows. And Veronica's having none of it. She doesn't want to get involved. She can't believe that Hermione is actually taking Hiram back, and I can't blame her because after I mean, Hiram. Not a great dude, and anytime he always does something nice where you want to think like, hey, all right, Hiram's not not that bad. Basically, whatever kind of nice deed that he's done has some sort of terrible uh, consequence after the fact that you don't realize at the time. So you can't trust Hiram at all. And I don't know if that's good or bad in terms of the show. Do you want – because anytime Hiram gets involved in something, you're going to think like, all right, you're pretending to be nice now, but I know there are strings attached that are going to come back and bite me in the butt later on. And I don't know if that's the best way to, to have this character. Do you want to be able to have sometimes that you could he could genuinely be an upstanding guy that's trying to help out, but then there are those other times where he's always scheming and manipulating. Uh, so at least it's, it, I don't know, it, it gives it a little bit more balance, a little more intrigue. So you uh, you never know exactly what his agenda is. Because right now you think anytime Hiram gets involved in something, it it is an, I don't want to say an evil agenda, but it is an agenda that will benefit Hiram in some way and hurt anybody else around him. So, I don't know. I, f- I feel like I would I would rather see Hiram you know, written a little bit more nuanced. Let's sometimes let him actually be a little bit of the good guy. Yeah, I mean, who am I to, who am I, who am I to say? I'm not in the writer's room. You but... are the right to say, I think, Frank. Yeah. I think uh, you know we can only hope the best for some characters that we really care about. Um, and we can also really care about the people in the chat right now because we got some awesome shout-outs. Just wrote a few down. Oh, I Just want to shout-out. Shout-out. Logan Knight here each and every week. We love you, Logan. Thank you so much for your support. Also, Amy McCutcheon, thank you so much for coming in tonight. And Melody Soto, JK, it's Ivan Soto. I know, Ivan, 
you don't like it when we say Melody, but he's on his sister's account. You know, give the computer <laughs> back to Melody. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for joining us. And you know, folks, you take you take your uh, the time out of your uh, Wednesday night. There's a million things you could be doing. You could be, you know, ma- baking a cake. You could be working on like a macrame project. You could be, you know, uh, watching like Disney Plus, The Mandalorian. I know Ryan's got a lot of thoughts about that. But you've decided, no, I want to hang out with Ryan and Frank and watch the Riverdale After Show. So thank you so much. Uh, but, folks, we're also asking for just a little bit of help, too. So anytime you get a chance, uh, not just for the Riverdale After Show, but any of the shows that we do here at After Buzz TV, Popcorn Talk, Black Hollywood Live, Book Circle Online, if you, if you like them, you know, subscribe to the YouTube channel, give it a thumbs up, give it a five-star rating on iTunes, and then just do what you're doing tonight here, which is hopping in the chat and getting involved. So thanks for helping us become the uh, ESPN or TV Talk. There you go. Yes. Yes. So I'm putting uh, Veronica's storyline at number three. Number two, I'm going to go up to Betty. Betty's uh, trying to figure out the mystery of her half-brother, Charles, and what's his deal is. So like any good budding FBI agent, he she has been following his routine for past several days, trying to figure out, is he a serial killer or not? What's his plan? What's his agenda here in Riverdale? And he pretty much keeps to the same routine. And... Even Kevin's like, well, seems like he's a uh, like a boring gay dude, and that's when Betty thinks like, hold on, maybe there's something else I can do, and she decides to pay a visit to her false half brother, Chick, which we met back there in season two, and trying to find out some real dirt about Charles because of course when Chick first showed up, he said that he took over Charles's identity and that Charles uh, made led Betty to believe that Charles was indeed dead. But we find out, of course, that Charles is alive. So she tries to figure out what was really true about anything that you said about knowing Charles back when I first met you a couple of years back. And it, according to Chick, what happened is that he and Charles were running around. Uh, then they got hopped up on Jingle Jangle one night. There was a guy that went back, uh, came back to the house. Charles snapped, grabbed scissors, and then stabbed this guy, killed him, and then they got rid of the body. So... Sounds like a cool way to spend the night, huh? Yeah. Yikes. That's going to hurt. So Betty, being the uh, the smart person that she is, is knows that she's not going to take anything that uh, Chick says at face value. She's going to, I mean, given everything that Chick's done to her in the past, as she says, she takes everything with a little bit of grain of salt. So she does what any loving sister does. Uh, she gives her half-brother a polygraph test. Ryan? Yeah. Have you had a polygraph test? I uh, actually never have. This is the lie detector thing, right? That is. Yeah, yeah. that is. Never have. I've always wanted to do it. Uh, maybe we can get one here at AfterBuzz. All right. Uh, folks, you, you? Don't, you, uh, you don't have to wait anymore. Michael, come on in. Bring <laughs> it right come in. come on in. Is he here? <laughs> oh, I think he's actually sitting. Oh, wait. He uh, is here. Yep, he's got that lie detector. He's going to bring it right in. Strap you right we'll, in. We'll try and get one in studio. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. You know, I've never done a lie detector test. Never. I would. I would like to do it because I mean, my only my only knowledge base of it is just by seeing it in movies and TV shows. And you know, when people talk about trying, can you beat the polygraph test? Can you do it? I, I would be intrigued to take one just to see if because you want to know if you could beat it. Right. That's the whole thing. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could beat this machine. I know I could be chill enough that I could make anybody believe uh, whatever lie I'm saying is really the truth. So uh, I'd be down for that, but. Ryan, yeah, I feel like would you give a polygraph test as a you know to a sibling just to make sure they're on the up and up? 
Oh, I would have loved to in the past. Are you kidding me? In the past, that would have come in real good handy, I think. Yeah. Just, you know, hey, did you take my sweatshirt? Uh, oh, okay, I, had, I can't find it. Maybe, okay, you didn't? Got it. Or, oh, uh, I didn't break that plate. Did you break that plate? No, I didn't break that plate. Stuff like that. Just everyday house needs growing up. Yeah, that would have been very helpful to see uh, just who was lying or who wasn't telling the, the whole truth. And, um, and I do hope some people in the chat are telling us the truth on their feelings on this episode. Another two more shout outs to Billy Jean Girl in the chat here each and every week. We love seeing you here, Billy Jean Girl, as well as Malcolm Adderley. Thank you so much for your support. Oh, yes. Thank you, folks. Absolutely. It's, uh, well, we see Betty's questions, and they, they basically, Charles is very truthful until at the end when Betty asks, Are you hiding anything from, from us? And of course, the, the, the needle starts to twitch a little bit. And Charles comes out and says, Hey, the reason I, uh, I'm going to this gym is that I'm a recovering addict and the meetings are at the gym that I go to. So that's my big secret. And then he takes off the the, the arm strap for the polygraph and, and calls it quits himself. As soon as he did that, I mean, we already know from past episodes that he's been listening in on uh, Betty's conversations with people. So we already know there's something up with Charles. But anytime somebody decides to end the polygraph after a, t- a question, instead of the person that's asking the question saying, okay, I think we're done. If they just give their question, I hope that makes you happy, and then takes off the, uh, the, the arm several polygraph test and leaves, you know they're leaving because it's getting closer and closer to them actually exposing some secret that they don't want you to know. So as soon as Charles leaves, I already know he's listening to conversations, but you already, you already know that there's something more to Charles than he's what he's saying. And we do find out what it is by the end of the episode. Uh, because Chick decides to, after Betty is visited in prison, decides to report that there's been a murder over in the Black, Hood house, Black Hood's house by Alice Cooper, and which we saw back in season two when Chick first showed up. It was the shady guy that uh, when Betty came home, she saw Alice wiping up all the blood on the floor, and then they hid this kid's body somewhere in the woods of Riverdale. And so FP and Charles decide, hey, we're going to go get this body before anybody else tries to find it and get rid of any evidence that could possibly get back to Alice. So they dispose of it, but we find out that really what this all is is an elaborate setup by not just Charles, but Chick and Charles working together to do something. We'll find out what that is. But basically it was just a way, Chick did this as a way to uh, get Charles in a place where he could become more trustworthy to Betty, Alice, and FP. So we get to see... Chick and uh, Chick and Charles at the end having a little conversation where they uh, the other side of the prison glass walls, and uh, with a little "I love you" and a typical, the typical prison thing when you're talking to somebody on the other side of the glass, you always got to put your hand up. I, Ryan, I know you go to prison a lot to, to visit people. I'm putting the hand up right now, Frank. All right, we're doing. There we go. We're doing there we this go. magical moment. All right, we're doing it. it. Yes, we did it. Uh, I, yeah, I. I would like to think that I would not do the the hand on the glass if I were talking you to somebody. You know I go to prison a lot? Yeah, I know you go to prison a lot. Okay. You're always going over there visiting friends and, you know, whatever. Just, you know, yeah. people from your past. Roommates, uh, yeah. Yeah, roommate, roommates. You know, I got a roommate that's in prison now. I got to go visit and see what's yeah. up. Yes. Uh, you know, I, the, is it cliche that the hand on the glass? Or do you think if you were visiting somebody in prison, boom, your hand's going up on the glass? You know, it depends on the visit. I think if it's a good visit, you always end with, hey, hang in there. One hand, almost a high five. It's a spiritual 
you know, this is the only thing separating us. This is class. <laughs> but if it's someone close to you, if it's someone you really, if it's someone you really care about, yes, you got to go the whole way. You got to go like this. You just got to hug the glass. There you go. You got to you know, hug it. Hug it. Put the Wawa emblem there, <laughs> and just go. I am here for you. Like Iron Man's heart is there in him. That's true. You know, you never see anybody just like blow hot breath onto the glass and then draw like a heart on that or anything. Oh, Nobody ever does that. That's a great idea. Write a little message. Yeah. You know what? All right. I guess I'm going to have to go visit somebody in prison and give that a shot and see how it goes. <laughs> Fingers crossed. It turns out all right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now we're getting to my number one storyline here of the week. I know you've been waiting. Like, oh, man, what's it going to be? What's it going to be? Well, it's really only one other choice here. Uh, oh, actually, no. There's actually two other choices because we've got uh, – I forgot a storyline because it was too bonkers. We've got Cheryl. I'm going to put Cheryl at number two. Uh, we see Cheryl and, and Tony. It's this whole thing with Julian and this doll, this creepy doll that is the supposedly houses the spirit of her unborn triplet brother is uh, now, of course, peering all over the place in Thistle House again. And you know, we see that uh, <laughs> Cheryl has a nightmare. And wakes up screaming. And Tony is laying right next to her in bed, doesn't hear anything. I would, I mean, I actually, Ryan, please tell me if you have. Okay. I have uh, never been with anybody that has woken up in the middle of the night screaming from a nightmare. From a nightmare? Yes. Like they just like had a nightmare, a terrible dream, and they wake up screaming. I've never been in that situation. But I would like to think that if somebody, if I was with somebody that woke up in the bed next to me, just woke up screaming from mm-hmm. a terrible nightmare, that I, I would, I would actually absolutely wake up. <laughs> Don't you think? Oh no, yeah, absolutely. I, it's funny. I had a nightmare. I have a nightmare like every two months. Wow. Like once every two months. The same nightmare or not different? the same nightmare? It's okay. something different, and it's usually like very quick. And I'm like, whoa, what just happened? Um, and it, it's yeah, but it's somewhat refreshing because it just means you're still dreaming. Uh, but at the same time, if I was with someone who had a nightmare, yeah, I don't know how I would react because it depends how deep in sleep I am. Um, if I'm in deep sleep, I might react pretty poorly and be like, you know, get away from me. But if I'm if I'm like sort of in REM, like still kind of you know pre deep sleep. Then it might just be a little more like, oh, okay, is everything all right? All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shut your eyes. Go back to bed. Ah. And then, and then I'd go, go to sleep. But um, yeah, I don't know how I would react. I, it hasn't happened to me yet. Yeah, I, I would just like to think that I, no matter how deep of a sleeper that you would be, if you had somebody laying right next to you screaming at the top of their lungs, you would wake up. I surely hope so. If I wouldn't wake up from that, I might not wake up from an alarm. No, that's true. <laughs> uh, so she has Cheryl has this nightmare. Tony doesn't wake up, which I'm like, come on, what's going on there? But we also have Cheryl getting a visit from some of her extended family who decide to show up. And the reason they're showing up is that they've decided, uh, the rest of the family, outside of uh, Cheryl and everybody at Thistle House, that it's time to get rid of the dead weight businesses, the business of the of the Blossom family. And that is the maple syrup business. It's bleeding out money. It's not doing well. It's time to cut their losses, sell that off, and get out. And what they basically need is because Clifford's dead and Penelope's on the run, is they need uh, Cheryl to get signed off and say, okay. And Cheryl's at least going to consider it until they mention, hey, before we leave, we just want to go down to the chapel and just light a little uh, Thanksgiving candle, you know, and honor our ancestors. And we all know that uh, (laughs) Jason... It's just, you know, chilling. The dead body of Jason is just chilling in the wheelchair down in the chapel. So as soon as Cheryl hears that, she's like, absolutely not. Get out of here. You're never going to go in this chapel. 
you're, I'm not going to sign this. I'm not going to do anything. Uh, so, so basically what happens by the end of the episode, we see her uncle sneak back in, uh, break into the chapel and come across the, uh, the body of Jason just hanging out with the doll Julian just right there hanging on his lap and says, hey, I'm going to take you. I'm going to get you uh, committed right now. And then we don't even need your signature because we can just take care of everything ourselves. And then Tony knocks him out. So I've, they've done something with the body. I don't think he's dead. It's tough to say. He's been knocked out in the back of the head. He collapses. doesn't look like he's dead because there's no pool of blood there, at least that I could see. So basically he's just been unconscious, and Cheryl and Tony have hidden him somewhere. So that way when her aunt comes looking for her husband... Like Cheryl says, uh, I don't know where he is. Uh, you know, if you want to find him, you'd need to get a search warrant. We got people in the chat, external shockwaves saying, not suspicious at all, Cheryl. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> that doesn't sound suspicious at all. A lot of people are just saying, man, Cheryl was not sly at all in this scenario. Well, anytime you tell somebody to, like, get a search warrant, you're basically get saying, a search warrant. yeah, yeah, there's something. I did something. I'm not going to tell you what I did. Uh, but if you really want it, you're going to have to work hard to try to get into this house and look around for it. Uh, my question, though, is, Ryan, real quick, mm-hmm. if you have a, a doll that you think is housing the uh, the soul of your unborn triplet brother. And Annabelle. Yes, or, and Annabelle. Sure, sure why not? Uh, the way, instead of just doing something practical like, hey, let's just burn it. Right. That'd be the first thing. Let's just throw, or, or let's throw it into a thrasher or something. Just something, just you know, smash this thing. Just get apart. rid of it. Absolutely. Cheryl, in this episode, when they just say like, "Hey, we got to get rid of this body." First, she tries to do a ring assault. That doesn't work. Who knows what's going on with Don't that? Don't do that. But the other thing that she does is that she just puts it into a tub of water and lays a brick on top of it, <laughs> as if she's drowning it. Like, right. What? I mean, what is that? Look, it's just how are you going to destroy this doll, right? And I think you said fire first off. That's yes. the go-to because obviously dolls are flammable. So you want you want to light that thing up. If if you really want to destroy it, you got to light that thing up. Absolutely. But I, I like the idea of drowning. It's just I don't think a doll has lungs like us, no, so it might not no. be effective. <laughs> if you want to trap it down there uh, via, you know, Jason from Friday the Thirteenth, we all know what happens. He comes back up. Yes. You can't keep everything down there. It will submerge sooner or later. So what you got to do is either, first off, what you got to do is either get a match. Don't do this at home, by the way. But get a match, light it on fire, and then you put all the ashes in the water, disperse it that way. That's what you need to do. There you go. That's been Ryan Nilsson's Ways to Get Rid of a Demonic Doll. Ding. <laughs> So we'll see what happens with Cheryl and uh, this storyline. And you know what? I, I had forgotten this this storyline, so my apologies. I'd actually knock this down a few bits. I'd actually probably put that at I'd probably put that at number four. So I do Archie, then Cheryl, then Veronica, then Betty, then our number one story, and that is Jughead Jones. That's right, Forsyth the Third. He is basically uh, got a he's he's got a mystery and he wants to solve it, and it all comes down to these Baxter Boy books. And Jughead's doing a little – has some writer's block, and he's trying to figure out how he can get around it. And the one thing he wants to do if he's going to be trying to write a Baxter Boys story is he wants to try to break down the Baxter Boys novel scientifically, find out all the ingredients that are in them, which is smart thinking to find out if you're trying to emulate uh, a certain genre, a certain style – why not read the past books in that series to kind of break down what they do, how they make it work, 
And then hopefully that will kind of give you some ideas of how you can execute your story within that sort of those parameters. But while he's doing that, he realizes that the first five books, which DuPont uh, claims to have written the first five before he passed it on to ghostwriters, he realizes there's a difference between books one and two. The, the, the way that they, the, the, the dialogue is written, uh, the phrasing, uh, very distinctly different from books one and two, making him realize that, hey, I don't think DuPont wrote the first novel. He wrote two, two through five, but he didn't write the first one. And he tells Betty that, hey, this sounds crazy, but I think it was my grandfather. I think he wrote the first one, especially because he gave me an original copy of the first Baxter Boys book. And inside it, said, left me an inscription that says, never let them take, the, any, take, the, take anything away from you. So eventually through the course of the episode, he finds an old literary magazine from Riverdale High that has a shout out to a, uh, a tertiary character, the Nancy Drew, to the Baxter Boys, Hardy Boys, Bitsy Bain. In that story... Written by Frosty Pajamas, which is uh, a great, uh, great pseudonym. Uh, Brian, I'm sorry, that's taken. You can no longer. I know. Yeah, give her a new, new Twitter handle. Yep, Frosty Pajamas. Uh, so he figures, like, hey, this is written even before the first Baxter Boys book was published. This, this story with Bitsy Bain in it came out. So it's got to be my grandfather. So what he does is he talks to DuPont, goes to him right away and says, hey, I wonder what the deal is. I don't think you wrote all five books. I think my grandfather wrote the first book. And while DuPont has been really nice in the uh, the episode prior about, hey, my gosh, I knew your grandfather. Oh, he was great. Uh, we really get to see when he's challenged about this, all facades drop with DuPont. And he is uh, basically, hey, your grandfather's a, uh, your father's a vagabond. All you folks, anytime you get an inch, you want to take a mile, you know, I should take you right to the headmaster and get you expelled for dare accusing me of something like this. So... Uh, basically, Jughead knows that's not going to work. So what he does is he goes to his teacher, Mr. Chipping, shows him the evidence and says, "This, how could you, you're a writer as well, you can understand this, right? And Chipping says, yeah, I agree. I can't, I can't deny this. Your grandfather wrote this story. I've got to, I'll help you come clean and reveal this and make sure that your father gets credit for this. So Jughead's feeling good. Like, hey, all right, I've got my teacher on my side. Everything's going to turn out right in the end. And as soon as you know... Uh, especially this early in the season, when you find out if you're able to kind of get somebody on your side about a secret, especially somebody that's not a main character, you know their time on the show is coming to an end rapidly. Uh, and that's the case with Mr. Chipping because he shows up the next morning. Ryan, I know you love this part of the episode. Mm-hmm. He's right there in the room uh, while all the other students are sitting there in their little circle. And he basically just kind of walks in, kind of turns his back to Jughead and goes, I wish I could have helped you, Jughead. And then just goes to a dead sprint and jumps out the window down to the ground. See you later, Mr. Chipping. Wow. Uh, and who takes over the class but uh, DuPont. DuPont takes it over now. And Jughead's like, what is going on now? They kind of flip the ending of Dead Poet Society on their heads in that way. You know, you, you wish you wish you just, you know, a nod, take his belongings and walk out. But instead, it's a high-rise, high-jump out yeah, the window. That's a nice, nice jump, though. It was just that... And what was really weird is that he does the jump, and then Jughead looks out the window, looks back to uh, looks back to his fellow students there in the classroom, says, "Somebody call an ambulance! Somebody call an ambulance!" And the four other students in the classroom are just sitting there. Wow! <laughs> like, what is going on? What an episode! Yeah, what an episode! So, uh, we'll see what uh, what happens now with Dupont heading up this uh, this classroom of Jugheads and what's in store for him. But. Uh, that kind of covers the episode, but we got a real quick hot news story, as I told you at the beginning. TV news. 
You know, we've got uh, the People's Choice Awards that happened this past weekend on E! Entertainment Television there. And our own KJ Appa went there, and he shared a little story there where uh, he, of course, very popular on social media, but uh, he says that he uh, he has a lot of fans will slide into his DMs, and uh, sometimes you know, he'll read them over, and he was uh, coyly, uh, when asked if he was to ever respond to any of those DMs, he was very coy about it. So... Uh, so, folks, if you want to slide into KJ Appa's DMs, I mean, now is the time to do it. Uh, I know Ryan will be sliding into them later. Yes, I will. I'll yes. Send five messages to watch this after show. <laughs> Perfect. There you go. Come on, KJ. Well, I mean, you're in town right now for the uh, you know the People's Choice Awards. You know, slide by here. Uh, you know, do a little uh, Riverdale after show with me. We'll just break it all down. Have a good time. Uh, Ryan, real quick, I know as we're wrapping up here, have you ever slid into a celebrity's DMs? Um. Okay. Well. Half joking earlier to get to watch the after show, but I actually have to uh, book guests on shows before, and it has worked twice. Out of how many times? Ooh, I, I mean, it's over forty. But it's still, over forty. All right. Yeah. I mean, so, two out of forty, not bad. I mean, you get, much like you gotta you gotta throw out a lot and to get yeah. a couple. There were there was a day I think I sent at least thirty five, and I only heard back from one person. Wow. Yeah. Man, it's rare. I, yeah, it's uh, yeah. I've never slid into a celebrity's DMs. Well, start sliding, Frank. I got to start sliding. I might slide into your DMs later, Ryan. We're gonna slide out of here. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, I'm getting the Heisman from Ryan. <laughs> that's cool. Whatever, dude. Whatever, <laughs> uh, folks. That's gonna do it for this episode of the Riverdale After Show. Thanks for joining Ryan and myself. Uh, as always, we really appreciate you taking time out of your Wednesday night to join us to break down this ridiculous series that is Riverdale. But as always, like us on Facebook, give us five stars on iTunes, uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel, give it a thumbs up while you're there. And again, thank you everybody for hopping in, in the chat. But if you want to follow either Ryan or myself, even after the show's over, Ryan, where can they find you? You guys can find me at R-Y-N-I-L-S-E-N. That's at Ryan Nilsen. And on Instagram, at Ryan, N-I-L-S-E-N underscore. And don't forget to check out Star Wars News on Thursdays and the Mandalorian After Show. It's going to be on Fridays now, Thank correct? you. Fridays at noon, Mandalorian After Show and Star Wars News tomorrow, 4 p.m. Pacific. Oh, my gosh. Look at that. Uh, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Happy Go Jackie. Folks, that's going to do it for this episode. We'll be back here next Wednesday night with an all-new episode right here on AfterBuzz TV. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 